Hey, uh, I'm excited. We've uh, we've been in a series as uh, as you guys have been tracking called "It's a Match." How many have enjoyed that series? Um, I, I appreciate, and I know I'm a little biased because uh, he's related to me, but um, I appreciate having a pastor that's willing to take on um, hard topics and, and find a way to relate God's truth to us in a, in a way that we can live out in our daily lives, don't you? And I really mean that. He's a, he has such a, a way about him of doing that, and it's something that he's had from early on, and I've known him his whole life, literally, so I can speak for that. <laughs> um, and if I haven't met you before, sometimes I forget I'm not up here a lot. So um, I'm Pastor Mark, and I'm the executive pastor here at the church, and I'm excited to have you today. Pastor Marty's getting a, a breather. Pastor Marty and Julie getting a breather this weekend. Um, and then we'll be back up here in a couple of weeks to finish out the year. But this is the sixth and final week of It's a Match. And so we're doing something a little different today. Um, how many are okay with different? Oh, I'm in the right room. All right, knew I loved you guys. Um, and so uh, I talked to Pastor Marty about um, jumping into this series here, I guess, a couple months ago now. And one of the things that we felt like we wanted to cover that he has kind of hit in a few different ways over the course of this series is the subject of communication in marriage. And so it's something that, that honestly, if we're all being very transparent, isn't easy, right? Um, and something that I can tell you in, in my wife and I's marriage is something we had to really work at over time, but I thought what better way to illustrate communication and marriage is putting us both on the platform together talking about it. That <laughs> um, It is immediate accountability, right? So, so you're not going to be like searching for her expression if I say something. You're going to see it right here on the platform. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to walk in truth today. Uh, but uh, will you join me in welcoming my beautiful wife of 21 years, Elena Celeste Straight. good to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Do um, you guys like uh, fun things? This is going to be that. <laughs> so um, we, uh, like I said, we've been married 21 years, and it'll be 22 in March. And uh, amen. And we've, uh, you know, she, Elena, she is such an amazing mom, and she's a rock star wife. And she really is the anchor of our home. I mean, she, she's going to do that, but she, it's the truth. Um, she, uh, she's the organizer, the planner. She keeps everything in order. If I didn't have her, I might not be here this morning. Um, <laughs> but we just felt like on this subject particularly, it would be helpful for, for all of you, whether you're married or not, um, to, to kind of learn from our experience um, and maybe here's some things that we've walked through that we've had to learn over the course of our 21 years. And so um, I'm just happy to have you up here with us. And, and because we're up here, we get to, to do things that we want to do. And so we're going to put a picture of our family up here on the, the screen. That's our crew. Um, so Jackson is 17. He's a junior at Sabine High School. Um, our little blue-eyed princess there on the right is Kara. She's 13, and she's an eighth grader at Sabine. And uh, we just wanted to put that up there because we really like our kids and our family. So, <laughs> Because they're pretty amazing. We're so proud. They're actually the joy of our hearts. And um, just from my perspective, you know, this is something that Mark and I have prayed about for a really long time, uh, to get to speak together and to, 
you know, just kind of join forces. It's been on our hearts. So it's kind of a dream come true today, and we're really excited. Um, just to give you a little background on Mark and I and how we met. So we've known each other most of our lives, really, almost, well, kind of, since teenagers. So my dad is a pastor still here. He's a pastor in Gladewater, and Mark's dad has been a pastor for a long time. They actually just started coming to Pathway. And my dad and his dad have been best friends. And so, you know, in the denomination we were in, they used to have things called youth rallies. And it was where, does anybody know youth rallies? There you go. And it's where a youth rally, if you don't know, it's where all the churches in that denomination would get together maybe once a quarter and have a service just for the youth. And so we would see each other, you know, but not really talk to each other, but see each other. She was always dating someone else. And so was he. (laughs) Anyway. And uh, we, even, <laughs> we even had a class together in college. We had a biology class together. And, of course, I sat in the front of the class trying to be studious. And he sat in the back of the class with his hat turned backwards and head down, you know. So, and, um, and then later on in life, so then a few years later, my dad and his dad had this brilliant idea. And they were going to have a service with their church and my dad's church. Combine a service just so we would meet. That's so spiritual, isn't it? True story. True story. So that night came, and we had this one big revival service. And I remember walking in thinking, I know I'm supposed to meet him. Where is he at? You know, and um, at that point, he had lost a ton of weight, and I didn't even recognize him. But I see this really handsome guy up on the platform playing the bass, and I was like, who is that? And uh, I got to get to know this guy. And so after service, um, Pastor Marty and I had known each other on college. We had gone to uh, Kyle together, which is kind of like a Christian-based group that was within Kilgore College. And so I thought, if I can just talk to Pastor Marty, Mark will come talk to me. She was right. I was plotting. I was plotting. And sure enough, I started talking to Pastor Marty, and Mark walked up, and we started talking. And so we decided to go to Pizza Hut in Gladewater, there was pizza right down the street from my dad's church. And uh, we went and had pizza. And then afterwards, he drove away. And I remember thinking, when do I get to see this guy again? And then I thought, what am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and so a few days later, he called me. And he asked if um, I would go to some services with him in Gilmer. And, uh, Made it spiritual. Uh, very spiritual. <laughs> and, and, and so from then on, we've been together ever since. So my dad and his dad created an arranged marriage, and it worked. <laughs> True story. And the, as I get into the teenage years of my kids, I think arranged marriages are probably something we should revisit. Any, any, For real. <laughs> any parents, amen me on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have some fun today. Um, there's some, I felt like it would be really helpful for, as we go through today for Elaine and I to kind of do some handoffs and, and kind of give you perspective from both sides. Um, and, and not because we have it all figured out, but mostly because we've done it all wrong first. <laughs> and we figured out how over 21 years to, to make adjustments and to, and to work on our marriage because marriage is work. Um, it, it, work. If you, you have to work at it. Yeah. Uh, let me just say it that way. If you don't work on it, guess what it will do? It will fail. Um, in, our, in our country, if you look at statistics, or it's obvious that um, in the church, outside the church, really you don't see much of a difference anymore about what, what that looks like in terms of the failure of marriage. And so we're going to hit one of the, big, the biggest topics, honestly, that, that connects to that today, and that is uh, communication in marriage. And so kind of on the, on the subject of things that contribute to 
uh, the failure of a marriage. Uh, whether you look at Marriage Today's statistics or marriage.com or, or any one of the, the surveys that are out there, they all have the same common themes. And so you're gonna see lack of communication or poor communication as one of the, the contributing factors to what ends up with irreconcilable differences, right? Um, that can be around money, it can be around um, you know, lack of intimacy, it can be around be not even being prepared for marriage in the first place, um, unrealistic expectations that you have for each other that you never talk about. I just think Elena's gonna be this and do that for me, but we never have the discussion or vice versa. Uh, constant arguing. And just gen in general, you could look down the list of, of all the things that contribute to it, and many of them are gonna link directly to communication or the failure of it. Amen? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. We gotta learn these handoffs just a little bit. Yeah, we've never done this, so <laughs> this is new territory for both of us. Right. But, um, you know, communication, it really is the glue that can hold a marriage together or it can destroy it. You know, your words that you say to your spouse and to other people have so much power to either build up or to tear down. And we communicate in many different ways. We communicate verbally, non-verbally, physically, and visually. How many of you know those people that the minute they walk in a room, you can tell if they're in a good mood or a bad mood? Does anybody know those people? Like they don't even have to. Like they don't even have to say. Probably saw some at Thanksgiving this last week. Right. Like they don't even have to say a word because they're communicating to you visually and non-verbally. Like you can just read their body language, and so it's very important. You know the way that you, you know, conduct yourself, the way you communicate in those areas. Um, you know, even whenever you are giving someone the silent treatment, you're still communicating, right? You're still communicating. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. And so how we communicate these emotions, they, it determines the whole direction of a conversation. It's very important. Yeah, and we, so Elena mentioned the silent treatment. So a lot of what hap at times what happens in communi you know, communication and marriage or relationships in general, what, what we went through early on especially was things like that. It's passive aggressive behavior because we're not ever dealing with the issue. We're just refusing to really confront the issue. And so we'll do that by you know, being silent because I was the king of the silent treatment. I could hold it for two or three days. <laughs> <laughs> And Which whole, drove me crazy. It absolutely drove her nuts. And I knew that. And somehow I, I found joy in that. I don't know. I was, I was a very sick, sick man back then. <laughs> I know none of you have ever done this, right? So, um, but that's, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of what I want to connect us to today with. You know, there's, there's a lot of things as, when you're pursuing somebody in a relationship prior to marriage, you assume the best of them, right? So like they say something, they're like, they probably didn't mean that. Somehow after marriage, they meant that. That was intentional. <laughs> it was egregious, right? It was an attack. Um, but why is that? I think that's because when we get married and say, I do, the enemy puts a target on us. And he speaks. If we're not speaking to each other, he speaks a lot, right? And so we got a lot of things wrong, but we're going to talk through some of those things today, and we're going to have some fun doing it. So you guys ready? All right, buckle your safety belts. Um, we titled this message, The Uncivil War. 
and uh, that'll make sense more in just a second, but it's going to be how to, the, the subtitle we gave it is how to win with communication in your relationships. And so let's pray together. Father, we just give this time to you. We thank you for your word that never returns void. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to each and every heart in the room today, that they'd be able to hear your truth and receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so who's this message for today? It's really for everyone. So whether you're married or not, maybe you've been married, uh, maybe you hope to be married one day, the, the principles that we're going to talk about this morning universally apply. And so we just want to talk through these together and share some stories from our own uh, life. But what I really want to encourage you to do is really key in on the, there, we're going to cover six types of communication in marriage. We're not going to spend a lot of time on every one of them, um, but we're going to go through six types of communication. In order for you to have a healthy marriage, you need all six. You can't just have two or three. All six of these are vital. And so we're going to, as we share, we're going to cover these with you. And the key text that we're bringing uh, to you today, so again, this is going to be unconventional in that we're not expounding on a, on a text uh, in, in an expository way. We're, just, we're taking the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, as our backdrop. Um, and we're teaching from that. Specifically, what I felt as I read, and I, as we were preparing to, to speak, I reread that chapter over and over and over for several days in a row, trying to get it gelled in my heart. And one thing that I saw that somehow I never really saw before was how verse 7 really connects to the passages where Paul is describing love. And verse 7 says, When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. And that's where the title of this message came from, The Uncivil War. We've got to set aside our childish ways, our immaturity with each other, and choose relationship, choose communication, choose to be a big boy and big girl. Amen? We're, we're very generous with other people, but so many times under our own roofs, we are not that generous in, with our spouses, are we? And we can say that because we're guilty, right? Uh, we've worked on that over the course of time, and we're still working on it to this day. And so um, the, what you need to understand is kind of in this, this idea of the uncivil war and, and kind of the war backdrop, um, when, you, when you go into warfare, a lot of times in the, when you have an enemy that, that's assessing a target, what they'll do is they'll use targeting warfare. So the first thing they'll go after is taking out the comm towers, right? They'll take out the airstrips um, to try to cripple and to isolate the different parties, the different ranks and files of, of soldiers and platoons, right? The, the first thing that, that the enemy targets in marriages is communication. If he can take communication down and get you siloed from each other and start speaking into your ear, what happens in the war? If they can't communicate to each other to know where they're at, what's going on, what's going on on that front, if they're totally deaf, they can be easily taken, right? It's the same thing in marriage. And so um, we're going to cover two foundational components before we jump into the six types of marriage communication that we feel like are important for you to understand and kind of know as the backdrop for, for communication. And so I'm going to run through those with you really quickly. Uh, the first foundation, we're going to call this setting up base camp, right? I'm working really hard on my analogies, so you guys are going to go with me. Um, we're going to set up base camp around the first thing, which is what is love? Like, if love ha is the center point of our marriage or in our relationship, and it should be, because it's the motive of the Bible, right? It's, it's God's heart for us. 
Um, the motive of the Bible is love, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? Um, and I'm not going to do a big Greek word study on you, but we've all heard the, the type of love known as agape love, right? Most of us. Um, agape love is, is the word used in this, this passage. So in 1 Corinthians 13, when you hear Paul use the word love, that, this is the type of love he's referring to. He's referring to a selfless love. He's referring to um, a love that's passionately committed to the well-being of the other, right? It's love without conditions. So if you do this for me, then I'll love you. If, if you act right, I'll love you. If, if you do the right things for me, if you look a certain way for me, whatever, the, like, that is not what we're talking about. Love is 100% devotion. It is not emotion. Amen. Am I preaching up in here? Right? Now, eros is a type of love that's romantic love, and we all know what that is. We, we have that. That is important. It is not the love, though. That is a component of love. When you, when you talk about agape love, it is unconditional and is the only type of love that is not based in how I feel. It's a choice, and you have to choose it every single day. We counsel couples often around finances, around issues of, of marriage, and so many times I hear, well, I just don't love them anymore. I've fallen out of love, or I don't feel it, or I just want to be happy. Looking for an emotion, that, that is not love. Because you have to choose. There are days that she doesn't like me very much. Yeah, there's some days that love is a choice. And I tell them that, like, I am choosing to love you right now. Like, I don't like you, but I love you. <laughs> and so I, wanna, I felt it was important to read this passage for you. And I want you to really hear the word love in here with the, with the understanding of what I just talked about. So let's go into this together. This is 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 3, and if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not shame or disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. And skipping down to verse 7, when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured, and I set my childish ways behind me. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. Amen? All right, the second piece of foundation that we want to set is the how of communication. And so um, I'd encourage you to read a book, if you haven't, called Love and Respect from the Egriches. Uh, Elaine and I have sat in a seminar with, with them, their teaching before. It really helped a lot. Because what you have to understand is we speak different languages, Amen. right? Um, the easiest way to articulate this is looking at uh, Paul to the Ephesians in uh, chapter 5, verse 33. He says, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The primary need and language for men 
is respect and honor, right? You can say that you love us, and that's helpful, and we want to hear that. But if you're going to speak our language, it has to be on the level of honor and respect, right? And conversely... Yeah, and for women, you know, our love language is our way for communication is we speak in love and security. We want to receive love and security from our spouse. You know, we want him to show, you know, we want our spouses to show us love so that we feel safe, you know. And then as we are shown the love and the security, then we open up more to our husbands, right? Yeah, so you have, you have to learn to choose to give your spouse what they need. You, I could tell Elena, that's not important. You know, you don't need that for me. I told you I loved you when we got married. If it changes, I'll let you know, right? That does not work. <laughs> You've heard that, right? <laughs> that is not how it works. No. If, you, if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy home, I have to choose to do something I'm not really good at, just in all honesty. We've had to work on this over the course of our marriage. I am not, I don't think that way by nature. But I've learned over the course of time that what helps us is if I, throughout the course of the day, if I'll send a text or if I'll make a phone call or send a little emoji or, or, or something to let her know she's on my mind, that little thing means a heck of a lot oh, yeah. to her. Makes all the difference in the world. And so I have to choose that though, because that's not something I need. I don't think about that. I get in my day and I'm going hundred miles an hour. And, and sometimes I do get to the end of the day and I get home and she's like, well, did you think about me today? <laughs> And then there's some days he comes home and I'm like, please don't tell me about your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, there's a lot of little things that you can do to, to pro provide that connection, but we'll get into that when we get into the types of communication. But just want, want you to understand those two pieces of foundation. You have to understand what love is first. And love isn't the emotion. It's 100% devotion. It's a choice that you make every single day. And two, that you have to learn how each other ticks. You have to learn what each other needs. I need respect and honor. She needs love and security. And if we can speak those languages to each other, it'll go miles and miles. And the way that I show him and I try to give him the honor and respect that he needs is, you know, I try to build him up and not tear him down. You know, I try to speak words, you know, when I see, like when he plays the drums on Sunday, I, look, I always tell him, man, you did such a good job. Or if he mows the lawn and takes care of stuff outside, I'm like, thank you so much for mowing for us. Or, you know, thank you for helping me keep the house picked up or, you know, doing stuff. Like, thank you. Like, that means so much to me. You know, just trying to show him, hey, I respect and I'm honoring you for the stuff that you're doing for our family. And I appreciate all that you sacrifice and all that you give for us. And she really does that. And it doesn't seem like a lot. And, may, you know, I think this is one of the things for ladies that you might not inherently think that's a big deal. I mean, it's not that you should have to pat him on the back for every little thing that he does, but understand his language. Like, understand what he needs from you. And if the only thing he ever hears from you is negative or what you're not doing or shooting him to death, um, <laughs> that tears away at the fabric of the relationship over time, right? Okay, we're going to cover six types of communication, so get your pencils ready. Um, we're going to go faster through some of these. And so the first, of, the first of them, I think we all pretty much have down. So we're not going to spend much time here at all, but it's basic information, all right? We have to pass basic information to each other. So there are day-to-day -day things that happen in the course of life and in your home. It's communicating about, hey, the kids have this going on. We've got this game we've got to go to. We've got this practice that we've got to get care to. Um, hey, I'm, I'm not cooking dinner tonight, so it's everyone for themselves. Or, hey, on, on Wednesday, I'm making this, so don't eat a big lunch. You know, those, those kinds of things. 
things are, are basic information. What's going on? What do we have to do together to kind of work through a, a given week in our household? So pretty much everybody should be doing that. If, you're, if that is broken, then see me after service and we'll start <laughs> some counseling with you because uh, that's pretty much the, the first step for, for all of us. Um, the second is partnership. And because the husband and wife are partners, we share needs, right? So we share responsibilities, children, finances, um, parenting. These are, all, these are things that we have to share. Uh, and it requires more than just casual information. It requires um, being intentional and, and finding places in your day and in your week to discuss what's going on with Jackson or what's going on with Kara at school or what, the, it requires an intentionality. What's going on with our marriage even? It's a partnership. We have to establish a partnership. And so the primary word in this point for, for, the, for partnership is, is the word share. It is a shared thing. And so that we, we have shared things in our, in our home. For instance, um, keeping the house picked up and straight is something that we all do. Um, Sometimes I'm vacuuming, sometimes she's vacuuming. Sometimes I'm picking up pillows and folding blankets, and sometimes she is. Sometimes she's doing the dishes, sometimes I'm doing the dishes. Sometimes she's doing laundry, sometimes I do it. The kids pitch in with, with laundry and, you know, some of those things too. Yeah, and some of this stuff, you know, when it comes to sharing, early on in our marriage, I would get really upset and frustrated with him because I would be, you know, trying to clean the house or trying to unload the dishwasher or trying to, and he would just be sitting there doing nothing. And I would get mad. Totally clueless. And I would get mad because I'm like, why isn't he up helping me do this stuff? Like, he sees that I'm doing it. Why doesn't he help me? And then I realized that if I want him to help me, I just need to ask. You know, simply as asking him, hey, do you mind go getting the clothes out of the dryer? Oh, my gosh, yes. He'd get up and go do it, you know. Or, hey, can you help me do this? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I, so I learned that he can't read my mind. And, I, you know, I shouldn't expect him to read my mind. You know, but how many of us as women, we get mad because our husbands aren't doing something when really all we have to do is ask them to do it and they would be more than happy to do it. So I learned that with him, if I would just ask, he is more than happy to help me. And then the more I asked, the more he began to realize, hey, she's going to keep asking me to do this. So I'm just hey, going to start doing it as I'm I I'm slow, it. but I'm worth the wait. I'm just saying. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> And then sometimes I just leave them a list, like, hey, here's a list of stuff that we kind of need to get done, and any, as you can work on it, great. I'm not saying right now do it, but this is just stuff to put on, the, you know, let's work on it as we can. Yeah, and, and, and ladies, just some insight for you in all humility. Sometimes with us guys, it's like two crickets playing racquetball up here. Like, we're just, we're not connected to exactly what's going on. Or maybe we've had a really hard day and we're just not thinking. Because I know for me, when I first get home from work, I need a little decompression time. And we've, we've talked through that over time. Like, could I just have a, just a few minutes before, <laughs> before we start working on all the things, right? Um, but, and, and certainly, I know there's some, some men that may not be as engaged that way, and this isn't this some cure-all. Like, this requires intentionality. It requires conversation, being honest with each other. But we're, we're a product of that. Over 21 years, hey, her sitting down and go, sweetheart, could you help me with this, <laughs> you know, and not, and not getting upset at me and coming at me with, with, with an attitude or with sarcasm or whatever in a way that I could receive it. Does that make sense? And honestly, let me just say this, and I don't know if you can say this on the platform, but I'm just going to say it. But when I see him doing those things, I just think it's sexy to see him do it, do those things. You know, I'm like, oh, do that some more. I like it. Yeah. 
right? It's true. There we go. Big points. Big points. He gets a lot of points for that. We'll cover that in another communication step. Um, it's give and take, bottom line. It's give and take. We're all on the same team. And we're not grading. Like, well, I did this much, so that's yours. You know? Or we're talking about traditional husband-wife roles. Well, you're, that's the cooking and the cleaning is yours. Like, wake up, guys. It's almost 2020, right? Um, oh, I'm getting some amens now up in here. <laughs> Mostly from female voices, as I could hear. But it's true, guys. Like, participate. Be involved, be engaged. Again, this wasn't something that came natural for me. I'm sitting there in the recliner, you know, watching Sports Center, and she's running laps around the house, and then, you know, I'm completely clueless, you know. Um, but but plug in, connect, be aware. Amen. Uh, the guys aren't amen amen yet, but I promise you will before we're done. Okay. Um, Ephesians five twenty two. This is a scripture that gets used a lot, uh, mostly by by men in a chauvinistic way. But I'm going to bring some clarity to it that's going to help you today, okay? All right, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I want to say this. Number, number one, marriage, we're talking about partnership. Marriage is a partnership. It is not a dictatorship. Okay, yeah. marriage is an earthly representation of what Christ's relationship to the church should be. Amen. All right, and so I, I'm not going to go into a deep word study with you, but it's really important what these words mean when you translate them back into their original. And so, just to help you a little bit, because it really helped me, um, the word that Paul uses for head in that passage in verse 23, husband is head of the wife, in the original Greek was never used to mean leader, boss, chief, or ruler. It was never used that way. It's a military term. It means one who leads. It means one who went before the troops. It means the one who went first into battle. It, it means the one who went to the front line first, who led, not who pointed, not who dictated, not who told. All right? It's not someone who ordered troops from a safe distance. All right, this is someone who went into battle and said, come on with me, okay? Um, the word that Paul uses for submit in verse 22, wives submit to their husband, means to tend to the needs of, to be supportive of, to be responsive to. It is not strict obedience. And what you need to understand, guys, and this is something I had to preach to myself, like if I'm submitted to Jesus, she has no problem being submitted to me. If I'm not submitted to him, though, she's got issues. Like, I'm not going to lie. It, it's hard. If you're submitted to him, not that you're doing it perfectly, but if you're submitted to him, everything is easier. The, you know, the anointing comes, and, and the, the Holy Spirit has always kind of notated the anointing by oil. It greases the wheels, right? So if we're submitted to Jesus as the head, then we are the servant of all, like as he was, we are the servant of our family. We're not dictating. We're not pointing and telling. We are doing. We are leading. Amen? Amen. I got a few amens on that one. But uh, one of the things, I, the best illustration that I could think of from our marriage that, that really illustrated this point, and this was our first year of marriage. So picture us 20 plus years ago now. We're living in a single wide trailer. Um, oh, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> um, it was 25-year-old single-wide trailer at that. And so I was praying one night and, uh, on the, that ugly flower, floral couch that we had. 
And God spoke to me clearly. This was at a time in our marriage when we were helping at her, her, her father and mother's church. And we were doing everything. Like we were teaching youth. We were on the worship team. She was leading worship. I was playing drums. We were teaching Sunday school. Anything that we could do. And God spoke to me, it's time to go. And we're a year in, mind you. This is her, her church she grew up in, literally was born in. And I thought, this is going to go well. Um, and so I went to her and I said, hey, babe, I was praying last night. You know, mighty man of God. Um, and I told her, God spoke to me. We're supposed to leave. There was another church in town that had contacted me about playing drums for him. And I got connected and met some other people and really felt, you know, felt God on, on it. And she said, well, you can go if you'd like. And I said, well, that's not the answer I expected. And so I, I literally went to prayer about it. I told her, I said, well, I'm just asking you to pray about it. And so I did. And so for, for what turned into three months, I would pray a prayer similar to this. You know, God, if this is you, then I need you to speak to her because I'm not moving without her. And, and I, I prayed and we had discussions and I prayed and we had talks and she was praying God change his heart. I was praying God change her heart. And ultimately, three months later, she came to me with tears in her eyes. She'd been reading a book by Aretha Hagen, Dad Hagen's uh, wife. With tears in her eyes, she said, God spoke to me. And I know we're supposed to go. And I say that to tell you this, guys. Submission to you from your spouse isn't me getting that word and going, we're going. Get in the, get in the buggy. We're heading out of town. Um, it's submitting that to the Lord. And then if you submit it to him and he gives you direction and clarity, he'll speak to her or vice versa, whatever your situation is. Yeah, one thing I want to add about what he said about when we pray for our spouse, like God changed their heart. I think a lot of times one of the things that I learned, like I would pray, God change his heart, change his heart. And then one day God said, why don't you pray that I change your heart? And I went, uh, excuse me? <laughs> I do not have the problem. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> it is him. And, and, so, and so I had to learn that I had to start praying that God would change my heart. And that wasn't easy because, you know, it requires you to be selfless. You know, you have to lay down your selfish desires in order for God's purpose in your life. And so probably the first, and the first time I prayed, I was like, okay, God changed me. Have fun with that. You know, but the more time went on, my prayers got more elaborate. You know, I could, you know, God changed me. Help me to see your plan. Help me to see what he needs. And, and I tell you what, every time I start praying that, I always pray that God changes me first. That not God doesn't change him, but God changes me first. That God will prepare my heart and change my heart to have his heart. And usually God ends up changing both of us. So that's, that's kind of, but you have the guys, one of the hardest things we deal with is guys is pride. We have to be able to walk in humility. Pride stinks. It does. It, 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 it is counterproductive. And when I learned that, which I'm telling you guys, I did it wrong a lot. I mean, a lot early trying to, to figure it out. But I'm just telling you what we have learned together that we've had to work through and deal with is when we both lay our agendas aside and, and try to figure out what is the best way forward, and I don't have to be right, then it's amazing what happens. It's almost magical what happens. It's just instant clarity, and then we walk, we walk together in unity. And where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Uh, Psalms 133 says that. So um, next type of communication. 
is conflict resolution. Yeah, and I wanted, I wanted this to This is have, a biggie. Yeah, and I wanted to have this one because um, I felt like I did a lot of learning when it came to conflict resolution in our marriage. And I felt like God showed me a lot of, of how to deal with conflict resolution. I mean, if you're married, you're always go- you're gonna have conflict. You're gonna fight. Because like Mark said earlier, we're two different people trying to learn to become one person. So you're gonna have different ways. And you know, you're, he's gonna have different ideas, I have different ideas, things that are important to him, things that are important to me. And sometimes you're just gonna have conflict and that's okay. But it's how you deal with the conflict that makes all the difference in the world. And Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your words, be careful what you say, and you'll be surprised how few troubles you'll have. And I thought, what an amazing scripture. Watch your words. When it comes to conflict resolution, your words are what gets you in trouble the most. What you say gets you in trouble. And so on this part, we're just going to, I want to share things that we learned with conflict resolution in our marriage And, you know, you guys will all be different, but for us. So the one thing that we um, really decided in our marriage that was non-negotiable, it was a rule that we were not going to break, is that we were not going to scream and yell at each other. We were not going to allow screaming and yelling ever in our marriage when it came to arguments. It was was just not going to happen. No matter, and that's hard. It was hard um, because when you get mad and steam is coming out of your ears and you are red, I mean, the first thing you want to do, your gut reaction is just to let them have it. You know, you just want to tell them like it is because honestly, sometimes it gives you a release. You have all this pent up anger and you just want to get a release to just all over them, you know? <laughs> but, it's true. but, you know, you, re- you can't do that. One of the things that would set Mark off the fastest, I mean, it would be like a rocket into space, is when I would tell him, you always do this or you never do this. Like, yeah. When I would start talking in absolutes to him, it was like World War III was about to erupt. Anybody identify with that in the room? Okay. Yeah. Just a couple of us. Yeah. Just a couple. And so with screaming and yelling, I would become rude and sarcastic and, you know, really overly passionate about what I was saying to him. And so one day we had gotten into an argument, and it was probably about basketball because that was our biggest argument earlier, him playing basketball it's too much. It's a long story, but it's true. It seems silly, but it was valid. And so, but anyway, we were in the middle of this deep conversation. Like, we were getting really passionate, and I was just really hammering him, you know, getting on to him. And he's like, babe, I, you, listen to me. When you talk to me I, that way, when you talk to me that way, I literally stop hearing what you're saying. Like, I cannot hear what you're, like, I shut down, and I cannot understand, I can't hear what you're saying. And I stopped in my tracks, and I just thought, oh, my word. He just opened up and communicated something, a key to his heart on how I need to talk to him. Like, he just opened up and showed me something. And I realized in that moment that if we were going to argue and we were going to fuss with each other, that I had to change my strategy. <laughs> this, hey, listen up, guys. Strategy. Ladies, listen. Listen to her. <laughs> this is a key to all of us. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And there's a, a scripture I took out of our notes, but it you know, talks about 
Uh, Psalms has a few, or Proverbs rather, has a few of these, uh, you know, quarrelsome wife scriptures. It's better to live on a corner of your roof than to be under the roof with a, with a quarrelsome wife. And, and I know that's funny, and it goes both ways, don't get me wrong. It's not just the wife. Sometimes I've seen some pretty quarrelsome husbands in my day. But that, that truth is it, when, you, when you feel like you're trying to, to get your point across and you're doing it in a dishonoring or disrespectful or argumentative way, yeah. it literally shuts us down. We're done. We're out. Like we're in some other planet somewhere else. Um, and what, and I'm, I just want to underline that for you because it is a key. If yeah. you want successful communication, then l- l- keep that in mind. The next time you have a conflict. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit said amen right there. <clears throat> and so Psalm 16, 23 through 24, it says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And Mark and I were talking this morning about this scripture. And I said, you know, it says it's sweet to the soul. And like wise words and kind words are healthy to your body. So what are unkind words to your body? They're unhealthy to your body. So if you're speaking unkind words to your spouse and over your spouse, that brings unhealth to their body and to your body. And I thought that was so powerful because I had never seen that before. And so I had to change my strategy. And that strategy was prayer. So the next time we got upset or I got mad at him, he doesn't get mad at me very often, or he hides it really well, but I get mad at him sometimes. Uh, I'm, yeah. But I, anyway, <laughs> we'll get on with that. So, you know, I wanted our arguments to be effective and not destructive. And so I really had to change a part of, of who I am. I had to change it because I just wanted to blurt things out. But I had to get to a point where I learned self-control, and I had to become disciplined in the way I conducted myself in an argument. And so I began to pray. So the next time he and I got in an argument, I just didn't lash out at him. I didn't tell him everything that was on my mind or that had upset me. I took a few minutes, I walked away, and I started praying. And sometimes it would be a day, sometimes it would be a week, sometimes it would be longer. And I wouldn't say anything to him about it, how he hurt my feelings or why I was mad. I just started praying, because I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna talk to him about this, I've got to do it in a way that he hears me and in a way that we can talk about it effectively. And so I began and I, to and pray. I would, I would add to that too, guys. <clears throat> what, what's necessary uh, that I struggled with early especially was getting defensive. Um, and part of that is being able to lay your pride down. Because for, for her to, to do her part, which was recognizing this wasn't working, what we were doing, and to pray about it and to find a, a moment where we weren't triggered and we weren't upset and to sit down. We had a, a talk two nights ago about something that she said, hey, can I talk to you about something? And to be able to communicate that that way where I could receive it, my part still was I had to let my walls down and I had to not be defensive. And I had to hear what she was saying because it was from love. And the way she was communicating it was lovingly. But a lot of times if we as guys feel like we're being corrected or feel like we're being confronted in some way, the immediate reaction is just to put up the deflector shields and just dismiss it. And I'm just telling you, if you want, it's going to take a partnership approach. It's going to take both of you being willing to put down your swords and your shields and find a moment where you can hear each other. 
Yeah. And one thing um, I learned that, you know, by taking this time is that, and by praying, a few things began to happen. Is as I began to pray, I began to cool off a lot. You know, my heart began to soften. And most of the times, and, and this is another little trick that I do when I get upset with Mark, is I immediately start thinking of all the good and all of the ways that I love him. Instead of focusing on that one thing that he did that made me mad, I intentionally take time to think of all the good he's done for me and how he shows me he loves me and my kids. And what I realize is by the time I go through that list and I think of all the good and how much he loves me, that one little thing, it really doesn't matter anymore. It's not that, it's not that big of a deal anymore. And, any, and then by prayer too, it allows you to collect your thoughts. And then if there's some things that you really need to talk about, you know, when you can come to him, I, you know, I can go, hey, listen, can we talk about something? There's something that happened and, you know, it's really kind of bothering me and I really want to talk to you. And he's like, okay, let's talk. And we have a civil conversation about it. And we work it out and no one's upset and we're not mad. We're not throwing words at each other, but like we really handled it, you know, in a really, in a great way. Ephesians 4:29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And here's, here's one last thing. I know we got to hurry. One last thing that I really want to um, hit on this, and this part is going to blow your mind about conflict resolution, is that when you're in conflict with each other, you should both be on team win. And that means that when you're fighting, I think when we fight with each other or have conflict, you think that there has to be a winner and a loser. And that is not God's way. There has to be a winner and a winner between the two of us. And it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. That's you, your spouse, and the Holy Spirit. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so instead of us standing face to face, fighting each other, let's stand back to back and fight the enemy that's trying to come against us. Amen. That's good preaching. Um, we're going to make up some time because uh, I got a little long-winded, I think. Um, the fourth, these, these next two are kind of connected, and so I'm going to go, these are typically things that guys have a harder time with. I know I did. And so uh, the fourth type of communication is, is connection. So guys, let's just be honest. We don't typically do this very well. Um, but it, it's huge in marriage, and it's a part of, of really connecting to your spouse and relating to your spouse in a way that, that allows your communication to be productive, allows your relationship to flourish and to grow. And so um, we, as, we as guys tend to, to communicate in short little bursts. And so, for instance, when I would come home, especially early in our marriage, I'll answer, how was your day? Good. <laughs> You know, do anything fun? Anything interesting happen? Nope. <laughs> you know, and she asks about 50 more questions, and I'm like, what's with the Spanish Inquisition? Like, you know, if I, <laughs> um, I know you guys have probably never had this, so we're just, just humorous. And I ask a lot of questions by nature anyway. Yeah, so. she's inquisitive. Um, but here's what we've figured out over time is what she wanted to be, what she wanted was to be a part of my day, yeah. right? It wasn't that she needed information, like she didn't trust me, or that she was you know, needing to validate something, or she just wanted to be annoying, you know? That wasn't the, the point. But let's just be honest, right? She, 
for, for guys, especially after a day at work, sometimes our, our minds aren't in a great, good place anyway because we're, we're fatigued. And, you know, I'd walk in the door and she'd be taking care of the kids and have, you know, dinner ready. And she's been talking to kids all day, you know. <laughs> and she wants to talk to another grown-up, you know. Um, and so what we had to kind of work through in that and what I had to really learn for me was I need to know what she needs. And so what I began to do, it took years, guys. This wasn't like, you know, some, you know, in the moment epiphany that I had one day. It was just something that we, we figured out over time. But I would learn if, you know, she learned from me that if she would give me a few minutes when I came in the door to kind of catch my breath and to kind of detox, you know, a moment from the day, um, she learned to do that for me so that I could get my mind right and kind of, you know, catch my breath for a second. And then what I learned is when she started asking the questions, I would just think through the day of the things that I think I thought would be interesting to her or relevant to her. And most of the time, it might be just a sentence or two. But all she's really wanting from me is that connection. She was wanting to know that I, I thought about her throughout the day, or that you know the things that, that might be of interest to her that she might want to know that I was looping her in on. And when we learned to do that, it took a lot of the, the air out of the tension and the frustration. And so that's something you know that that we really you know worked on. That's something that we had to really be intentional about over the course of time. And uh, so we, we built times into our day now. And we're in a different season of life. So now we have two teenagers and one that's driving and doing mostly all of his own stuff now and, and sometimes helps us out taking sister to school and whatnot. So it's, it's really been a sense of freedom, you know, really. Um, praise the Lord. Um, but we found in our schedule now some, some points of connection for us. So like until the weather kind of started turning, one of the things that we do uh, most of the year is we go running and riding together. So she rides her bicycle and I jog. And we have a four-mile circuit that we go on. And it's 45 about, minutes of undivided attention. Yep, no phones, no distractions, no TVs, no nothing. And sometimes after that's over, we'll even stop and just kind of walk around our neighborhood some. But you'd be surprised at what comes out when we just make a space. For, for Tom. And mostly it's, it's little things, but occasionally there's some things that, hey, this has really been bugging me. I just want to talk to you about it. And, and it's, we're disarmed. We're not, you know, we're kind of in some, you know, getting that, get the blood pumping exercise, you know, kind of going for both of us. Um, but we also, uh, we also make a space now with both of our schedules the way they are. On Fridays, we're both off. And so the kids, when they're in school, we'll get up and we'll pray and we'll read and we'll talk and we'll do some of those same things on Fridays, that doesn't work for everybody. But my point is, you have to be intentional and you have to find a place in your week for each other, especially if you have children. And it's hard. We've been there. It, it, there are seasons we didn't do good. You know, we didn't do good at all. <laughs> but don't hear judgment from us. Hear the voice of experience that when we didn't do it well, our marriage wasn't working well. And when we made more time for it and we were more intentional about it, and it doesn't have to be quantity as much as quality. Um, find a place to do it, and, and it'll make a huge difference in the, the quality of the communication in your marriage and the quality of your marriage in general. Um, the next type of communication is personal revelation, very similar in a way to, um, to the previous one, connection. But it's, again, it's something that typically guys have more trouble with because it involves sharing emotion. Guys don't talk about emotions much. Um, that's something that it's hard for us to be vulnerable about. And so one of the things I heard from Jimmy Evans in one of his, his teachings that I thought was really insightful 
is that women tend to be physically modest, but emotionally immodest. Meaning that women, you know, if, if you're going to have intimacy, they want the doors locked, the shades drawn, the kids anesthetized. Like, we, we're going to have a careful environment. <laughs> right? Right? Emotionally, though, women are a lot more open. And so they may have, like I watch Elena with her mom and sister, the way that they communicate with each other and kind of go back and forth sometimes, and I think they're arguing. And then they're done, and they're all like, happy talking about their shopping trip, they're going to go on. I'm like, that sounded awful. Like, what? Um, but women are generally, not all the time, but generally more emotionally immodest. They share those things a lot more readily. Guys are the opposite. We're physically immodest, uh, right? We don't need the careful environment as much usually. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, that's another story. But, um, but emotionally, we're very modest, because we need to be safe, and we need to feel like if we're going to open up to you, if we're going to open up the Holy of Holies to you, that it's safe, and that it's not going to be used against us, and that it's something that if you violate that trust, if you expose us, or if you, or if you belittle or, or demean that in us, then you've locked the door. You've closed it off, because we, want, we do want to share that, but we have to know it's safe. And we have to know it's in a place where I'm not going to be judged by it and I'm not going to be ridiculed for it in any way, right? Um, and so personal revelation really, it really just alludes to, it could be like letting off steam after a day at work or it can be sharing some concerns or what's bothering you or what's going on in your mind. But, um, but the, the thing I want to land on in the, for the sake of time is just understand that it, it's, it's another thing that has to be intentional. And it has to be something that you're both aware of, and you're both giving to, and you're both intentional about daily. Amen? Um, all right. We got to make up some time, honey bun. Um, I do want to add this one thing yep. really fast. Well, you piece do of that, the, and then you can go well, into the last Well, it's uh, just point. a piece of advice when it comes to sharing our feelings that I think is real important, is that when, when you're sharing, whether it's you sharing to your husband or, or your husband sharing with you, just listen. Just listen without judgment, without, you know, without thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to say next. Because sometimes I just need him to listen. Like, I don't need him to give me advice. Or I don't need him to solve all my problems. I just need him to listen. And if he will just listen, it just, it helps calm every single thing that may be going off inside of me. It just, I just need him to listen. And, and a piece of advice that this is one thing that I learned, because I know as women, sometimes we deal with hormones and we deal with things. And there are days that sometimes I am just mad. Like I'll just wake up mad or I'll be driving home and I just get mad, you know, and I'm like, why am I mad? Like what is going on with me? You know, I mean, do I, can I attempt, does anybody else do that besides me? Okay. Thank you. I just want to make sure I'm not alone. And so, but one thing that I learned a very important is that he can't read my mind and he doesn't know when I'm mad. And sometimes I think he should guess it. But so one thing that I learned to do one thing that I learned to do, it's on those days and in those moments where I'm just mad or having a bad day, I just figured out if I just tell him, hey, I am mad and I don't know why, I'm just warning you. It is so helpful. It is so helpful. <laughs> and it unlocked so much amazing stuff in our marriage because what I learned is that just by telling him, hey, I am mad and I don't know why, within 10 minutes, it diffused the bomb. Like, I'm not mad anymore. It literally broke the power the enemy had over me. 
Like it, it literally broke that power and he could not use that over me anymore to cause dissension between us. And so just a bit of advice. If you ever have a day as a woman where you're just mad, just tell your husband, just tell me I'm mad. Please tell us. And, and let me know how it goes. Cause I guarantee you within 10 minutes, you're going to be totally fine. And guys, what that allows us to do and you know, to adjust to is, okay, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to work ahead a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it's uh, truthfully, guys, one of the biggest things in our marriage that uh, in terms of catalysts for change and help for us was that singular thing. Because um, we, you know, every female deals with that in terms of a, a, the, a given month, that, you know, your, your cycles and all those things. And, and hormones are very real. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and guys have this to some extent, but much less diminished. And so if, for, when Elena would go through, and sometimes not even just around that particular subject, but just in general, uh, because there's a, lot, there's a lot that goes on in a female's body. We've learned a lot over the last couple of months just with some health issues that Elena's been going through that I was, I'm more aware than I ever have been about how all that stuff works. And we have to be sensitive to that. And we have to, we have to just be generous towards our spouse in that regard and know that if she's, if she's struggling, if she, especially if she's giving you the hints, guys, like take it, like take the hint, <laughs> like literally, um, help, help everybody out. Amen. Yeah. So the last one, which we're going to cover just really, really quick is, um, the last type of communication is intimate communication. And, um, this is, um, words of expression, like the way we express our love to each other. It's words of affection, whispering, I love you. Um, Pastor Marty did such a great job a few weeks ago on this subject in his, uh, sermon title was Sexual Healing. And um, I thought he did such a good job because honestly, when it comes to church, you know, growing up, we never heard sermons on sex. I mean, if you told me I would be up here saying that word from the platform, I would have been like, whatever, like it's not, that will never happen. You know, because it just was not taught. You know, growing up, I was always taught, and even Mark, that sex is bad. Sex is bad. You can't, don't have sex before marriage. It is bad. You know, it's dirty. And then all of a sudden you can get married and it's the greatest thing. Like, have fun. You can have sex now. And we're like, what? Our whole life we've heard it's bad, you know, before marriage. But then you've got to change your, your brain and your way of thinking. And, you know, um, intimate communication deals a lot with expressing your love verbally and physically to your spouse. And for some of you, that may be hard. Like maybe you weren't raised in a family where your parents spoke words of love over you. Maybe you weren't raised in a family where your parents hugged you and held you and told you how amazing you were, you know. And so having a lack of that growing up may cause it, may cause you to have a hard time doing that in your marriage. You may have a hard time hugging your spouse or telling them how much you love them, you know. But as being a part and being in a partnership and being in a marriage, we all have that desire to be loved by someone, we all crave that love and that attention, you know, from our spouse. And so um, some of the ways, you know, that you communicate intimately is, you know, by saying, hey, I love you, or you look beautiful, or you look handsome today. Or, Girl, you're looking fine today. Thank you. <laughs> right? It includes being flirty with your spouse and making comments that might, you know, make them blush. And, of course, the ultimate way that we communicate intimately is through sex with our spouse. And it's a beautiful way of communicating that connects you on the deepest level possible. 
Yeah, and I think as we as kind of wrap up this point, what, what's helpful to understand in terms of male-female dynamics, husband-wife dynamics, is that you know, sex is one of the primary needs for men. And women, you have the gift of sex. God, God gave that to you to draw your husband back to you. And you need to understand part of the role. I, I've, we've, we've counseled with couples and heard about couples that, well, she decided she didn't need that anymore. Okay, well, that is dangerous. Now, sometimes there's health reasons and there's other things that play into that. So obviously not every situation is the same. But what you need to understand is if you're, if you're closing that door with your husband for some reason, whatever the reason, then you're, you're cutting off one of the primary needs that he has and one of the ways that he relates to you. And conversely, husbands, if you're not engaged with your spouse, if you're not listening to her, hearing her, proactively looking at how to serve her and take care of her and speaking a language of love and security, and I'm with you, and we're in this together, and we're going to make it together, if you're not doing that, you're killing her. And I think that sex is a, it's a binder. You heard you know, Pastor Morty talk about it and, and you know, sexual healing. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that, or if you missed it, please listen to it. It covers a lot of the ground that we would cover if we had more time in this point. But just suffice it to say that it is something God created that's very beautiful. As Pastor said, God could have created many ways for us to procreate that weren't as intimate as what sex is for us. He did it that way on purpose so that it would draw us back to each other again and again. It's very important in a healthy marriage. Amen? All right, so we're going to close today. I'm sorry we ran a little long. We've never done this. There's just so, so much good things to um, say. Was this okay? Thank you for that vote of confidence. All right, so kind of, kind of in closing, let me, let me kind of wrap it up, make it plain. So if your marriage doesn't have a healthy balance of these six types of communication that we mentioned, so basic communication, partnership, conflict resolution, that's the biggie. It's where a lot of us still, even to this day, Elaine and I work on this. Uh, connection, personal revelation, intimate connection. If you don't have all of these functioning in a healthy way, what we would say to you is that you're in trouble. You may not know it yet, but you're in trouble. Because there's so many things, especially in the lives that we all lead, especially if you have children that can mask and cover issues and what you see now more than ever is once kids leave the house and the husband and wife are now alone together again, they don't even know each other. And if you're not intentional about it and you're not working on this communication together all the time, there will be a day that you'll feel the pain. And we're just trying to head that off at the pass. Amen. Um, I love that scripture Elena read earlier. The enemy might, this is Ecclesiastes 4.12, an enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. A rope that is woven of three strings is hard to break. Again, that is the husband, it's the wife, and the Holy Spirit. And you may say today, I don't know how to get there from here. You know, we're, we're, we're so far apart, I don't know how it could ever work. And I'm here to tell you that by yourself, you can't do it. It's a three-stranded cord. It's not a two-stranded cord. And so what Elaine and I really prayed about and, and fasted about over the course of this last few weeks as we prepared for today is that no matter where you are, maybe you're in a spot where you just, you just need a little tweak. Just some little things that I saw today or heard today that could help. Or maybe you're in a, maybe a more broken place where, man, we're really struggling. We're in a bad place. Wherever you are in the spectrum, we, we pray that God and His Holy Spirit could minister to that place in your marriage. And so what I first want to do... Um, Let's go ahead and stand together.